You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, guys, that's it. Obviously, you know, the UDFA stuff getting worked out here. You know, we'll give you what we have on that when we get to the end of this. Uh, we're going to keep this one Brown specific, but obviously, you know me and Pete, the draft lovers that we are. We'll go through each division. You know, we'll make sure we hit on opponents. Obviously, we're going to hit on the AFC North hard. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers, I just made myself a grilled cheese if you would like to take that too, because obviously you were rocking off the Jeff Lloyd draft board. Uh, look, uh, Devin Bush, Justin Lane, Benny Snell, I wish you guys great careers. Uh, for 14 games a year, go out there, dominate the league, kick some ass, take some names. Uh, if you want to fake a hamstring, just not show up, just not play well that day. In the two, day, two times a year you played the Cleveland Browns, I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. Um, but this will be, you know, obviously the wrap uh, your, you know, 2019 NFL draft post show brought to you guys uh, tonight by the fine folks over at ZipRecruiter. We'll get into, uh, obviously, you know, your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Don't forget your hands-free device, whether it's in the car, whether it's Alexa in the house. Play Locked On Browns. Have uh, the uh, latest episode brought up for you. Guys, the numbers the last couple of days. Yikes! Maddening. I cannot. I cannot be more appreciative. Uh, I'm glad everybody. I, I got that article up for you about Greedy Williams. You know why he skipped the bowl game and everything he had on the line. Um, so uh, you know, before we get to Pete and we kick this off, obviously we went heavy on Greedy last night. We had plans on doing a second show, and then my house got you know uh, inundated with preteen girls, and just wasn't the way to work it out. But Greedy Williams, cornerback, Louisiana State University, Sioni Taki Taki linebacker out of Brigham Young University. Sheldrick Redwine from the U. We are now up to six Hurricanes, former Hurricanes on the Browns roster. Probably more like five and a half, though, Pete, I would say, right? Um, Mac Wilson, linebacker out of Alabama. Austin Seibert, kicker out of Oklahoma. Drew Forbes, uh, offensive lineman. There's some talk. Maybe you could try him out at tackle. At worst, you have an interior play. Player will get to him out of Southeast Missouri State. Close it out in the seventh round with uh, Donnie Lewis, cornerback, out of Tulane. First general impression I get of this, Pete, is I think when John Dorsey speaks, he still is fearful of what information he's giving out. This this defensive tackle class is an amazing group. It's got a lot of depth. And the one position, Pete, I mean, we thought, I mean, there were times we talked about this, two, maybe three, get a bunch of guys in here, didn't, draft-wise, did not dip their toes in the water once. Right. Um, that part is very irritating. I don't know how much of that was, well, we didn't expect, you know, this player to be here, and so they grabbed him um but uh, overall i think and i you know we'll see i think i was right in terms of where they want this defense to go i don't know what that was uh i think they you know obviously greedy williams you know there was some report about you know a potential injury situation uh from tony Pauline. You know, we'll see if that's true. Uh, if, if, you know, assuming he's healthy and all that stuff, um, he could potentially come in, compete, and start. But at the very least, he's a role player. Uh, and then you get Sheldrick Redwine, and there's all people are all over the place on what he thinks he's going to do. I think he's the coverage strong safety. I think 
they anticipate uh, having him sort of come in, you know, Morgan Burnett is sort of that box guy, and then this Redwine is that coverage guy, and then they get Mac Wilson, and I think he's more of a coverage guy. So overall, and you know, Sion Taki Taki is a Sam backer. I th- but again, I think the ultimate thing here is that you've got a few starters that never come off the field, and everything else is basically a package player of varying sorts and various matchups and all that stuff. And in that respect, we'll see if that actually holds up. But that part, it seems like it's right. Now, as far as actual players, um, that that part obviously came out a little bit differently, and, and there were some really good picks and some question marks. Yeah, I know, yeah. Uh, and look, guys, and part of this, look, I mean, guys, it's not like we're – but we're so deep and so invested into this – when we see players that we have valued equal or higher and they went the other way, guys, we've always been brutally honest about this stuff. So, I mean, you know, for some of the stuff that went on on Twitter today, guys, I don't, don't be, you know, look, we're going to cover the living daylights out of this team. That's just the way it goes. But it doesn't, obviously, you know, we had our guys and we stood for them. So if they, if they don't draft them, we wish they did because we felt we were right. And, you know, we, we put in the time. Look, do I hope every one of these guys comes in and balls the hell out and this team goes 13-3, and 14-2, and two, and is sitting pretty come January? No doubt about it. But, you know, to see going to bed last night knowing Cha- Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was there, oof, that, that, was, that was a tough one. Uh, to know you traded up. I mean, look, to take Rudy Williams, look, at the end of the day, I mean, I get it. He was, you know... But, you know, knowing Justin Lane now goes to Pittsburgh, ooh, that stings. Um, Pete's boy, Saquon Hampton. The Saints, just the Saints just falling ass backwards into great selections, and apparently a UDFA, well, I, like I said, we'll get all of that at another time. It, it's not, you know, it, it, it's not that we're blasting away, but it's, you know, we've put so much effort into this, and we're confident in our opinions. And it's not like we can sit down with John Dorsey and say, hey, John, give us a half hour here. Okay, well, we valued this player a little bit higher than you did. Go ahead and explain it to us. It doesn't. You know, it doesn't work that way. I wish it did. I'd love. I'd love to sit down and say, "Well, why? What made you value this guy so much higher?" And I guess we can start. Uh, you know, I guess we'll start with it. it pick eighty, Pete, with Taki Taki. I mean, definitely a surprising pick. Um, I know we spent time because we were making sure we were saying the name right after the combine, where he wowed at really good size, and he's a similar Gennard Avery type in that. You can't just necessarily pigeonhole him. You don't. I'm sorry. You don't have to pigeonhole him because he can do a couple of things for you. Uh, you know. You know. Everybody wants to bring up Joe Schobert. If I'm Christian Kirksey, I'm probably a little bit nervous right about now. A lot more so than Joe Schobert. But obviously, you know, Taki Taki had a BYU. Uh, right. So, you know, I talked about this when it, when when they announced the teams. The Shrine Game linebackers were way better than the Senior Bowl linebackers, and that ultimately held up. Uh, Cody Barton. Sion Taki Taki were two of them. Uh, Cole Holcomb was there. These are all guys that got drafted. Uh, that's you know a good setup. Uh, it, it, you know if you if you're one of these people who says, well, you know they don't care about numbers, they don't care about the analytics. Like if you look at from an analytical profile, Taki Taki jumps out at you. He had a, a North year of two forty. He had a year of elite production as an edge player, and he had a year of elite production as an off-ball linebacker. And not just like he cleared it, but 14%, 14.1% solo tackle market share 
is the elite of the elite type stuff. Um, he's a really good athlete, and if you watch him, he's you know he's a very violent ass kicker type. Uh, I think his coverage stuff is a work in progress, uh, but he's a good athlete, and you know th- there's a lot to like there. I think you know I, I think he has a really good shot to come and be the the Sam immediately. Uh, and then long term, if he works out and you know he hits his ceiling, I could see a scenario where he ultimately ends up as the Mike linebacker. But if you're one of these people who go, well, Joe Schobert should pack his bags. First, you're a hack, and you work for a local paper. And second, that in that scenario, Joe Schobert just becomes your long term will. And I don't see a scenario where you're going to tell this guy to pack his bags and go. It just makes no sense. But he could be a really, really good player. Now, I, do I think he could have been available maybe a round or two later? Maybe. And, and I could be dead wrong about that. But, you know, he was he was definitely a target for me. He was a guy that I thought made a lot of sense. I was more focused on getting guys that I thought were more natural coverage guys. Uh, Taki Taki's an ass-kicking run defender type who can also rush the passer. Uh, tough dude. Uh, had some issues with the honor code at BYU. Um, but he's married, uh, so he will be on time to meetings. Uh, there's just a lot to like about him. From a profile, he just absolutely jumps out. Uh, I, I think he will be a good player. I think he can be. He has the ceiling to be a special player, uh, maybe more than any player that they drafted. Because you know, based on what I can prove, he, you know, the 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 potential there is off the charts with him. Uh, and look, I mean, he, he obviously, as you made the emphasis on the production, and look, the honor code, look, I mean, take anybody, I'll tell you right now, take your college experience and go do a little research on the BYU honor code, and then tell me if you'd be able to match it, because well, I guarantee... He did, some, he did some legit dumb shit. I'm fairly sure he stole stuff out of the equipment room, which is what got him kicked out, uh, but, you know, some of it... Yeah, there there is some stuff that I mean you're not allowed to drink things. You're not you know it's, it's, you know it's LDS and he is an LDS member, but like you can't do things like drink caffeine. No, um, they just it, it, there's a there's a a kid who used to be part of, of draft Twitter who is a BYU student. Uh, I know he's been back like a year now. Went and did the Mormon mission, and he had a picture on his social media. They just started selling Coca Cola on the BYU campus. Coca Cola guys, we're not even talking alcohol. We're talking Coke. I mean, what college kid doesn't need a blast of caffeine at 7.15 in the morning to go hit a 7.45 class? That's, I mean, look, but obviously this is, you know this going into it, obviously. But, you know, compare that to what you did in your college days and just imagine what it is like at BYU. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly not the not the first and won't be the last that had issues with him. There's one super famous example of that, and I don't know how he even made it through it in the first place, in Jim Harbaugh. Um, I'm not Jim Harbaugh. What's his name? McMahon! Uh, yeah, yeah Mc, Jim McMahon. Jim McMahon somehow managed to go through BYU. That's, you know, that's fascinating. It would, you know, that he got away with that in like the 70s. My early. guess, my guess there had to be like a, they had to have like a stunt dummy for him. Somebody that looked like him, who just did everything, and the gym just was like, you know, like three miles down the road in his own place, doing whatever he wanted to do, holding keggers. Where he even got the alcohol from, I don't know. Or maybe that's what made Jim McMahon, Jim McMahon. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a different deal. So we'll see. Um, 
yeah, I, I think he may be a really, really good player. Again, I think maybe he could have been available. But ultimately, if you're going to look at this, I just look at it, you know, as much as you try uh, to avoid it, you, you want to try to avoid, you know, weighing it just on opportunity cost. In two years and three years, are you going to be able to look back and say, LeBron's got a good player? I think the answer for that with, with him is yes. Oh, no, there's no doubt in my mind. And the other thing, though, is he... The guy brings the noise. Uh, you know, he's not scared of confrontation, um, and with a better defensive line in front, uh, you know, brings the noise when he tackles. Um, you can put him and Joe. Obviously, Jannard Avery can continue. I think part of what they did here is with the two linebacker additions today is I think they like Jannard Avery and his versatility so much. I don't know if they're ready to just say, "You want to know what? You're a full-time linebacker." Which is fine, because look, we've talked about this. Obviously, you know, Miles Garrett, Sheldon Richardson. If you want to take Larry off in you know nickel and dime, you have Vernon. Um, you can kick Miles in. You can have Avery take reps. On, I mean, there's still a lot of versatility that you can do with this defensive front, which is key. It is key, especially the fact that they're going to be on the field as much as they are going to be late in the games, as they're trying to hold you know hold on to leads and things of that nature. That will get us to the fourth round selection. And guys, I had a uh, you know, I, we, I wanted to re- record the Taki Taki interview this morning, but obviously the rain last night buried everything. I could talk to Pete. I'm like, look, you know, I, I'm sorry for soccer wise, and then yeah, obviously with my situation. So I was like, all right, Pete, let's try early in the morning. Problem was, is it didn't rain after like nine o'clock, which all of a sudden now I figured everything was going to be rained out today. It was like, oh no, no, Jeff, <laughs> you're on the field by nine. You got a double header. So I walked off at noon. So I walked off literally right as round four was kicking off, and I saw the Hakeem Butler selection. I you know driving myself into the office. Sheldrick, uh, red wine. Uh, first things first, uh, Pete. He's got to leave leave the turnover chain down there in South Beach. We're not doing that. We're not doing that stuff anymore. The touchdown sunglasses, things like that. They don't need no gimmicks. Let's just go out and beat people's asses. We don't need gimmicks anymore. You all want to celebrate on turnovers, touchdowns, whatever? By all means, tear it the hell up. Don't need those gimmick things, though. But Sheldrick Red Wine, Pete. Um, this is one where I have a difficult time with. I, I think he's okay. Good athlete. Have, good athlete. He is a very good athlete. Uh, Production-wise, he leaves me wanting a lot more. I'm getting irritated at the idea that we're just hanging out. We're just having Alonzo Highsmith hang out at the freaking campus and, and just grab guys that, you know, he's he's buddies with at, at the U. Uh, that's, you know, it's fine. I, I, I just, like I look at, I look at a guy like Saquon Hampton who would ultimately go to the Saints, and I think he would have been better. Uh, but, again, you have to like the speed. And it's not to say he can't be a good player. I do think he is a role player. I think he's going to be the deep cover guy. And, I and, and again, I like that part. It means that they're not relying on Morgan Burnett or, God forbid, Eric Murray to be the strong safety when they really need to stop the pass. The Browns, if nothing else out of this draft, they went into it saying, we have to stop the pass. And they got a lot of guys to do that. Um, I think that could be a very valuable move now is shelter red wine going to be somebody that really wows you i don't know uh, i think he's more likely to be maybe a depth guy maybe a services serviceable starter if you're looking at this and going well you know that i guess they can let demarius randall go and he can start yeah that's that's very brave um I and, think way, and way too early to tell 
Yeah, I think that's ultimately going to be more of a you have to deal with that next year thing. But he can be a guy that can come in and, and play a role. And and again, it gives you the uh, the versatility as a defense to play a lot of coverage stuff. It concerns me that he didn't. You know, his tackle market share was okay. The interceptions were fine. Um, the thing that worries me is his lack of pass breakups, uh, particularly as a senior. He had two. Uh, I, I, I wish he had more on-ball production. Uh, but again, it, it, you know, his if you go off his junior year, he was better, but still pretty average. But that, you know, with his athleticism, that could be a decent enough combo. It, it, you know, the one thing they are not hurting for is speed. He's very explosive. There's a lot to like there. But again, it's just a question of this is more of a question where show me. Uh, because based on data, they could have done better. Uh, so show me. Let's see it. Let's let's make this happen. And again, some of these guys have special teams value. Yes. Uh, that I'm not super aware of, and he may be a guy like that. There are certainly others that were in that mold um, that could help there. Uh, that could be really beneficial to help upgrade that part of it. Oh, well, that's going to be key of it, because uh, first things first, you want to get yourself noticed to maybe get yourself some more reps. Is you know, you know, go crack a, crack a couple skulls, you know, on. I, I don't mean it that way, obviously, guys. You know, with all the CTE stuff, go lay some people out, hit some people pretty hard on special teams, get yourself noticed. Um, but it, it gives you versatility for cover two, cover four. Um, obviously, Demarius Randall with you know three years experience as a cornerback. Obviously, even his fourth year playing for your safety in the league. You know, he's not in a jeopardy position yet, but. Uh, we keep trying to emphasize here, guys, the Browns are going to have to save some money somewhere, somehow. Um, the production, Pete, that you mentioned, I, yeah, it, that is, it is concerning. The athleticism I do like. And some of this is going to be with these guys that were picked. It's like, look, you were brought in here, and you're going to be counted on. So it's, it's, it's you know, I, I, I don't want to say sink or swim, but it kind of is sink or swim. Like, look, we've got, we've got high, high goals with this franchise. And what we're going to do this season so you better be ready to go, um, because you know we didn't spend a draft pick on you, you know, for you to, uh, you know, oh well, you know, it's oh, it's okay if he gets there in twenty, like Austin Corbett last year. It's no, I mean, you're gonna need, you're going to be needed. There's gonna be a, a week or two where somebody can't go. To Marius Randall, obviously didn't play every game last year. There's going to be a week where we're gonna need you. So you better be ready when your number's called to go. So does he hit the ground running, and does he realize he is now in a professional locker room where there's, you know, no nonsense? And if this was the U of old, I wouldn't worry about this. But this isn't the U of old. They are a middle middle run ACC team now. They are not one of the top college programs in America. Um, I do like the athletic profile. I love the athletic profile, and you get him here in round four. Um, obviously, look, Pete and I talked a lot of safeties. A lot of safeties we loved. Uh, you know didn't mention him as much there were players we loved we preferred but we'll see you know i mean get to camp clean slate let's see what you got i mean you know you outplay it you outshow it um it's not like it's it's a little different than antonio callaway where it was you know there was so much other stuff than the player himself go ahead man i mean you know come july man you got a clean slate so go out there rock it um pete this was the one where hey you know and this is the problem and i think some and this is maybe what happened today a little bit um we do all of this. So, look, you know, we watch these guys play, and we watch these guys tape. 
we look for you know the uh, everything obviously the athletic numbers obviously the production numbers and just because the guy went to Alabama doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be one of the next great players in the NFL uh, Mac William uh, Mac Wilson there were just players we preferred at this spot there were a ton of them obviously you guys saw us on Twitter today. Um, obviously, there is the connection as the defensive coordinator and the outside linebacker coach at Alabama is now here and part of the Cleveland Brown staff. Obviously, Freddie has his eyes you know, and ears on the Bama program. And if you didn't catch a little bit of that today, guys, Freddie, this is maybe where Freddie is going to kill it as a head coach. A, because he played big-time college football, so I think these guys respect him that way. But having a little fun. Oh, well, maybe if those LSU guys played a little better in high school, they would have had a chance to play for Alabama. Stuff like that's fun. Like guys appreciate that. They w- it's just what makes Freddie relatable to athletes that are 25 years younger than him. Uh, Pete, Mac Wilson out of Alabama. And this is one, look, and the other thing is, you don't ever want the guy who was at one time, oh, he is a t- he's a round one prospect. And then you get him in round five, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, no, no, give me the guy who's accelerating through the draft process, the draft process, not the guy who declined. And it was just like, all right, well, you know what? I think he fell too far. I think he's good enough here in round five. Oh, so there's a lot with Mac Wilson. Uh, first and foremost, he declared out of hardship. Um, he is trying to make money for his family. Uh, they're in a bad way, and he opted to declare. Uh, Nick Saban suggested he stayed in school. Uh, and he basically made the determination that that was not an option for him. So and if your family's that rough off, it, being a fifth-round pick, it, it, that may not save the day. Well, you know, I'm not going to... It's going to make it better. Yeah, but, I mean, I mean, it's not... Like, I mean, it's not... It's a, it, top 50, that maybe changes an entire family's life. Going in the fifth round, that he needs to get to a second contract. Yeah, uh, there's certainly an element of that. But he's only been... A one-year starter, yep. really. Uh, he was a role player in t- 2017. He was a starter this past year, and he didn't tackle. I mean, he had 36 tackles out of a team 521. Um, that's only about 6.9%. That's basically that's less than half of what Taki Taki did this past year. Um, I understand the argument that he's pretty good in coverage. Uh, but, you know, in terms of projecting success to the next level, it doesn't matter what you do in terms of role. Ultimately, your job as a linebacker is to make tackles, and that's the that's the indicator. You need to make, you know, at least 10%. Uh, you know, the more the better. Obviously, Taki Taki is in a different realm in that case. Um, but it's that's not good. Uh, and, you know, he's an okay athlete, not as explosive as you'd like. There were certainly more. I mean, Taki Taki is a better athlete, arguably, than the Mac Wilson is. Um, but he is appears to be the a, a guy who's going to be a backup will. Um, they have done nothing but talk about his ability to help on in coverage and on special teams. Um, I think long-term, he's most likely a depth guy, who can be a little bit of a role player. That seems to be what they're doing. I just don't expect that to be any real different going forward. I think that's going to be basically what he is. So if he makes the team, uh, which I don't think is a guarantee, uh, the only you know part of that reason he might is just because they're really bad at linebacker. But uh, he 
I, I just don't think there's a much upside there. Uh, and in, he may be a spur type guy. And if, if they, they draft because they think like he can be a tight end stopper and he can do that, then he's absolutely validated the selection and everything. The I mean, I, I, I like that they're cognizant of getting guys to can help in coverage, but like a guy like Drew Lewis from Colorado, if that's really what you wanted, who's you know a little bit lighter, about like eight pounds, but a better athlete, more agile, and more productive, that would have been my thought process. I, I think this comes down to there were just better linebackers options on the board, and Freddie, you know, likely had an influence on this. It took a guy from his school because he knew him better. Uh, well, Ozzie, Newsom, a, Ozzie Newsom's not here anymore to do this. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, I mean, yeah. So, I I think this is an opportunity missed. Um, I think they could have gotten a better player. I, I you know I just mentioned one, but there were others. Uh, I think. I, I, you know, of the guys they took, I think this was the worst pick of the day, other than the kicker. Um, well, <laughs> I'm going to get to my read here. It, look, uh, the thing is, though, you know, what is he going to do now out of the Alabama umbrella? And look, you know, all of these linebackers out of Alabama and. You know, Quinn, yeah, I, you know, just another player, but Quinn Williams obviously destroyed college football this year in, you know, obviously what was his one opportunity. But most of these linebackers at Alabama have been studs, and they were studs for years. And that's where you get a little nervous with Mac Wilson. And the fact that maybe he was said, oh, he's going to be a first-round pick. Well, you know, linebacker, Alabama, he's going to be a first-round pick. Uh, just, just don't anoint these guys so quickly. Uh, you know, you know, does he, is he got some work to do? He does, and... In him and Taki Taki, take this valued resource you have in Joe Schobert, who is a student of the game, who came here as an outside linebacker, who was a good pass rusher, but was able to transform himself, transform his game, you know, through work, through hard work. These guys, you know, these guys better be seeking out Joe Schobert and trying to be get better. And prime example, Joe Schobert is a fourth round guy who now most Browns fans think, ah, oh, well, he's going to make $10 million a year. We don't need him. So, yeah, yes, but look at the fact that he took himself from a fourth-round outside linebacker with a pass-rushing pedigree and may leave here because the Browns can't pay him the 10 to $12 million a year he's going to deserve to go be a Mike for somebody else. Let's see how these guys matriculate. And will you seek out a guy like Joe Schobert? And will you do you have the want to? to make yourself an ascend from the player you were in college, which everybody needs to get better when they get to the NFL. It's not just walking in and say, oh, well, I came from Alabama, so I'm assuming there's a spot for me. Go in. Go get it, kid. I mean, you've got your opportunity. You want to take care of your family. I mean, God bless you, and I hope it works out for you. Take it, the opportunity, and run like hell with it. Uh, guys, hiring is challenging, but there's one place where you can go where hiring is simple. Fast and smart, uh, a place where growing businesses contact to connect. Um, I'm sorry, connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com. Um, basically, what it is, you will send over your resume to ZipRecruiter. They will send it out to the hundred, hundreds of the web's job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful uh, matching technology, 
ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with their right experience and pairs them with possibly right opportunities. You will get emails, you will get contacts, you will get possibilities of opportunities uh, you know, at future employment. ZipRecruiter, um, I appreciate them for their sponsorship over here for the last two days during the draft here. So if you need something, guys, or you're looking for work, or you're even looking, you know, looking around for a better opportunity, go ahead, give ZipRecruiter uh, an opportunity to help them help you. All right, Pete, and that will take us here. And look, and guys, look, nothing against Austin Seibert. And I put this out there a couple times, and I put this out there when teams were drafting punters and kickers before. I will never in my life spend a draft choice on a kicker. Austin Seibert, yes, four years. If you guys, check out his Twitter. Kid's funny. He, he, he's, he's good on Twitter. Um, that's fantastic. Part of it, though, and this is just my one thing, Pete, is... He needs to come in here, and part of what happened last year was Zane Gonzalez, Pete, and we like Zane, we did, missed some critical kicks early, and at the time, there was no pressure on the Browns. Now, if Austin Seibert comes in here and does take over and win this kicking job, it's not just a rookie making a team. This kid could be in a crucial spot at times, and it's his first taste of the NFL, and you see most of these kicker guys, kickers guys, they are on their second, third, fourth team. They're well-traveled because a couple of bad kicks, you just can't be there anymore. And it's really tough to go that route when you're you know, a rookie in the NFL. It's hard enough as it is to be a rookie in the NFL. But when you get put in a pressure situation or two, and if you're unable to perform, and I'm not saying he isn't, but it's, it's a very, very tough spot to be in. Um, and, but look, I mean, he does punt too, so, you know, maybe there's a possibility, you know, I mean, you're never just going to, I mean, you're always going to roll with two, nobody will do that anymore. If you could save the roster spot, yeah, that'd be fantastic, but he's a ton of points, almost 500 career total points, I mean, like 87 extra points last year, which is just freaking insane. Uh, but Pete, and guys, I, I don't know how to scout a kicker. I don't. I have no idea. A lot of that would be mental makeup and getting to know the guy. Um, I think it's good that he's loose and whatever. You know, maybe Baker put in a word for him if they asked him about him. But Pete, kicker in the fifth round, Austin Seibert. Yeah, I hate the pick. Um, I don't. Uh, you know, you mentioned a lot of the reasons. I and I've made the argument: go for go for two. Just yes. go for two. We're it, just drafting an athlete. You can always you, find kickers. You need. Uh, you you need somebody who can make kicks at the end of the half and who can drill it into the end zone. Uh, that would be the best situation in my view. But they took a kicker and they took Baker Mayfield's kicker, who's older, and maybe that helps in terms of mental makeup and stuff. But you know you don't get to be you don't get a learning curve as Zane Gonzalez has found out. Um, you know, and he had a re- he had like one of the best resumes a college kicker has ever had. Um, and, you know, that's what people are doing with Cybert. As as you do because you, you know, there's nothing else to dig up. But you don't get to, you don't get, you don't get to miss kicks. Uh, it doesn't matter when you br- brought in. There's no, you know, easing in. And, you know, he is going to compete with uh, the kid they have from last year. And apparently they're trying out some kicker. They're bringing in uh, as a tryout, so they're up three kickers right now. 
at least in minicamp. So, but that's the thing, though. Then why did you? If you were so, if you're going to take one in the UDFA route, why did you draft one? Yeah, that's that's again, and it and, and this this is the one time where I, I you know I'll go with the options foregone here. Uh, you know, there were a lot of players that I think the Browns could have picked up that would would have helped. Uh, the Browns, specifically defensive tackles, uh, you know, Cortez Bratt and Michael Dogbay both drafted. In um, the seventh? Th- it could have easily been picked there, and you probably still could have gotten a kicker. Uh, so that's where it's disappointing that, you you know, you're, you're looking at, you know, he not only has to be a good kicker, he has to be, you know, better than the other options that they could have taken, which makes it more difficult. You know, in the case of Zingadaz, he was a seventh-round pick. It's fine. Uh, but in this case, it's a fifth. And if you, if, if for no other reason, you should have gotten a very loud reminder why you don't want to pick kickers in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who drafted another kicker after they took, you know, the dude in the second round, and they still don't have a kicker. Like, it's just a nightmare. It's it, and the other thing though is it, it is kickers, they get two to three big opportunities per season, and the other thing is if you put a draft pick on them, now the pressure's already on more. If it's just oh you know like Joseph, he was ham Pete, he was ham like he, he did enough, and I'm not saying you, you got to keep him whatever, and if he wins this competition that's fine, but the last thing you want to do is put undue pressure on a kicker. Putting a draft choice on a kicker puts more pressure on a kicker. And for me, I don't. It's I'm just that's just for me. It's just something I'm never gonna be okay with. I will gamble on an athlete at any, even if it's a position where I am stacked at. I'll gamble on an athlete and see how it works out and go that route. Sixth round, Pete. And Pete, if I if I'm not mistaken, you you mentioned him here in the last week to ten days. Uh, Drew Forbes, obviously a great athletic profile. Uh, played very well. I know Dan Shanaka was high on him. I know you know Dane Brugler. You know spoke very positive on the selection. Drew Forbes, uh, obviously you know size wise, build, athleticism, could play tackle. We'll see whether or not that can translate. Could kick inside, but Drew Forbes out of South Eastern Missouri State. Yeah, he's a he's the prototypical uh, prospect that you give James Campen. Um he, you know, not, you know, Ole Udo is my guy, but, you know, in terms of what... what God bless Camp, him in Minnesota. Yeah, that uh, would hurt. But, but in terms of what Campen has generally targeted, targeted uh, or had, I should say, it has been a little bit lighter, and Drew Forbes is that. He's about 300 pounds, which is what those Packers guys have generally been. Uh, supremely athletic, uh, played left tackle for Southeast Missouri State. I think he, you know, they will give him a chance at left tackle, uh, or wherever, and then you know if it doesn't work, he's going to be a guard. I think he's likely a guard, uh, but he could be a really good player uh, if developed properly. He's younger, uh, just turned 22 in January, which is very young by offensive line standards, and he's really really athletic. And you know that's a guy who you know developed properly could be a really really good player and give them a left guard down the road and potentially put them in a situation where maybe they look at Joe Batonio again uh, as a left tackle after this coming season. But that, you know, that may not be uh, long enough, but that, that becomes an option if he's a really, really good player uh, early and they like what they see from him, then they, then they could potentially visit that. 
Um, as it is, you know, they don't have uh, a real left tackle of the future. Um, maybe maybe Desmond Bryant has gotten a little bit of a Harrison a re- or Desmond Harrison has gotten a little bit of a reprieve in terms of his future. Um, no, there's not been but, one word of him this off season. That seems a little weird. Just nothing. Like I I, I can't even remember besides me and you. I can't remember the last time I even heard his name. Just seems weird. It could be good. Could be bad. Yeah. So you know. I, I really like the pick of Drew Forbes. I really like that type of guy. Like this is always what I'm going for, especially with later offensive linemen, but offensive linemen in general. I remember I, when, it was, when it was cut time, cut down time last year. You were mad because there were guys with good athletic profiles, but you know that weren't part of it because you know you had Greg Robinson. They were in love with Desmond Harrison. I knew, I knew you were going to like this pick. And actually, we, we weren't positive about the last two picks, so we were about the fifth round picks. Right. I mean, look, if you're trying to get offensive linemen, there are only so many that can be this big and athletic. And if you've got a really good offensive line coach and the Browns have a guy who's experienced with developing these type of guys, this is exactly the type of guy you want. And you don't need him to start. So you can take your time and teach him the right way and do all those things. That's why I, I really like this type of move. But he does have, you know, long-term viability. I mean, you look at like uh, Laverne Torif whatever uh, the French Canadian for the Chiefs who had a success in this manner, uh, obviously JC Treader, uh, uh, David Bakhtiari, uh, those type of guys um, have been successful late round guys and had long-term viability. And I think Drew Forbes, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but I, I really like this type of guy as opposed to getting like a big school you know, schlub athletically who, who just has some experience you know, playing against big competition. Get the guy with you know who's a smaller school who can adapt and and those type of things. And and hopefully Forbes is a guy who's ready for that challenge. And because he's you know you know if he's scout team guy, he's going to be going against some you know Sheldon Richardson, Larry Ogunjobi type guys. Uh, if he's on the interior or Miles Garrett and you know Olivier Vernon on the edge that he's going to have to learn fast, and that could be really, really good for him. Oh, no, and no, no question whatsoever. And look, you know, go seek out a Joel Batonio. Go seek out a J.C. Treader. and this is what I'm talking about. You're younger guys. You're in here. You've got guys with wealth of knowledge. Uh, first things first, I would uh, try to connect to Joe Thomas. Go reach out to these guys. Get a get all the information you can. So when you get into these programs, you're not coming in blindsided. Nothing's going to take you by surprise. But you know, athletic profile. Dane Brugler had him tagged as one of his favorite small school prospects. Embry Hunt said, uh, if you guys are looking for it, he uh, you know he was in the uh, FCS playoff, uh, FBS uh, FCS playoffs, SCS playoffs last year. Uh, apparently, you know, Emory Hunt says the game is out there. Check it out. A phenomenal player. Two-time captain. So, obviously, a, a stalwart of the program at Southeast Missouri State. And, you know, and like Pete said, and we've talked about this a million times, and this is one of the reasons we liked Oli Uda so much, is you brought in an offensive line coach whose specialization is developing guys. So, here you go. Here's your clay. What are you going to make of it, Cameron? We'll see how that works out. Uh, I just want to say, um, you guys, I talked, I talked a, a lot during the process of Reggie White from my alma mater, Monmouth University. Um, he is signed, and he will be a UDFA with the New York Giants. It, it's just great to see where that program started when I was there years and years ago, and it was tiny, and it was small, and it was me, and 
like 12 other transfers that were local kids and 100 freshmen that started a program together. Uh, Reggie White, to you, your family, the Monmouth University football program. Continue, guys. Keep busting it. And uh, Reggie, be nice to, you know, get you get to stay close. You're not going to be far from home, obviously, a Maryland kid. Cool for Reggie White. You know, just cool experience and, you know, always proud of the alma mater and all they keep doing. Which takes us to the seventh-round pick. Um, Pete, and look, you know, it seemed like we, Michael Dogbay, please take Michael Dogbay. Please take Michael Dogbay as we got on the clock, on the clock, on the clock. Whatever reason, D-tackle, maybe the, I don't know. It, it, it seems weird because, and everybody, oh, well, you know, you know, maybe they're okay with the depth. Well, it's the same depth that he had last year. So I don't know how you're okay with it this year when it didn't seem like you were okay with it last year. Be that as may, we'll figure it out as it goes along. Donnie Lewis, cornerback out of Tulane. Now, I remember watching... Last year, uh, the Jets drafted a cornerback out of Tulane. Perry Nickerson. And I remember watching a lot of that. And sometimes when you watch film, your eye wanders. And, like, I always use this phrase, Pete, when it's this. It's like, oh, well, you know, you seem kind of cute, but I think your friend's hotter. Like, you know, when you met people in the bars or in your social settings. And I remember watching him and, like, well, who's the guy wearing number one? I think I like this dude. This dude looks pretty legit. And that dude is the seventh-round selection for the Cleveland Browns, Donnie Lewis. And, you know, we talk a lot, Pete. You know, you, you got to be able to do everything at corner. And Donnie Lewis, not afraid to get his nose dirty. Right. Production-wise, he's great. Um, tackles, uh, pass breakups, and all that stuff, he's fantastic. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't have any athletic data because he suffered a Jones uh, fracture in his foot, which, you know, I don't remember who it was, but I remember somebody in the NBA had it, and it was like a really, really big deal. It's not as big of a deal, obviously, with medical technology. It may have been Jordan. Um, well, I mean, I mean, you'll remember back in the day, you know, microfracture surgery was a death penalty. I mean, it was Peter Warwick. I mean, killed his career. Now it's not, but, you know, but here we are with Donnie Lewis, who resume is a good player. Yeah, so the thing is, I don't – I'm curious to see if um, – if uh, – they, you know, where he is in his in his recovery. If he's a guy that ultimately gets stashed for a year, um, if wink. they're not comfortable with where wink, he wink, is. wink, wink, he's not ready. Because that would make it more logical um, with the amount of DBs they have. Like they have a lot of guys. Just looking at right now, you know, if you're if you're trying to talk about where, where the Browns are in terms of corners. Um, you know, obviously, they've got Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, T.J. Carey, uh, Terrence Mitchell. They have Donnie, uh, Donnie Lewis now. They have uh, Tavier. Uh, Tavier Thomas, who is more of a, you know, Tavier Thomas, who is more of a special teams guy, but still valuable down the stretch. They still have Philip Gaines, and they've got a handful of other guys there. So that's a lot of dudes. Um so, you know, if if, he, if he's healthy, then that's going to be tough for even him to make the roster. Uh, that's why I'm wondering if it's going to be more of a stash-type deal. But, again, you know, he could end up on the practice squad ultimately too. But, you know, the Browns uh, are not messing around when it comes to corner. They have signed a ton lately. They've drafted a ton lately. Uh, you know, the writing's already on the wall for one of the guys who – was signed last year in TJ Carey. There's no way in hell he's going to be here next year. Uh, but, you know, he, he's another matchup guy. And, and uh, you know, Donnie Nelson's uh, – or Donnie Lewis is a, a decent size guy. 
he's like six foot and like 190 some pounds, which is, you know, the, the thick, reasonably thick. I mean, that Greedy Williams is taller than him and basically the same weight. Uh, so it's another guy that could potentially be useful down the road. Uh, again, health is going to be the question with him and evidently maybe Greedy Williams. So you've got to sort that thing out. But it, it's going to be a rough co- competition. Yeah, uh, look, I mean, and that's it. Look, you just want to bring your top 90 to camp to roll with. And, you know, maybe he could be a stash guy, and that's fine. Obviously, they had him out to Berea, so obviously they thought a lot of him on film. Obviously, he did okay in the interview process. So with that, you know, obviously Donnie Lewis out of Tulane, the Green Wave. Uh, yeah, look, I'll always give you a little bump if you're the dude rocking numero uno. That was kind of always like the test we had way back in the day. It was like, right, who's the guy's wearing? Who's the dude wearing number one? Because apparently that's their dude. So uh, Donnie Lewis, but, uh, you know, Everything's there. Uh, yeah, obviously, we do not know the testing, which will cause you some pause and hesitation a little bit. But obviously, they feel pretty confident. So with that, you know, Donnie Lewis is here. Guys, iTunes rating reviews, always appreciated. Uh, always, you know, uh, you know, they help the show. They help with the show's growth, all of that stuff. I, I, I cannot be more thankful. Um, we're going to get to some listener questions here in a second. But, guys, go ahead and make sure you drop those ratings and reviews for me over at iTunes. And, guys, come on, man. Me and Pete busted our We told you we were going to work our asses off. And I'm pretty sure and pretty confident that we did in that respect. Well, it was, you know, it was really gratifying to have oh my God. international guys. I know every big. one of these names. Yeah, we're apparently really big in uh, Western Europe. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was gratifying to certainly say, you know, date – Day two of the draft that they're basically saying, I, I know every every one of these guys, be, you know, listening to you guys talk about it, which is great. I mean, that's that was what, you know, we promised you that would happen. And so it's nice that those guys uh, that we, we could deliver that. And it was certainly nice to, have, you know, get shout outs on that, that stuff. Like, you know, it's I got an email from one guy who's, you know, same thing. Um, so that stuff's, you know, certainly gratifying, very flattering that, you know, you, you sort of get that reminder that people actually do listen to two jackasses just talk football Well, you know, uh, for varying lengths of time. Um, but, yeah, it, you know, that's, you know, that it's what we enjoy doing anyway. Um, and certainly, you know, this is the type of thing I, I you know, both of us have done. Um regardless of this platform but now that we have it it's nice to be able to sort of you know pass along some of that information uh and and you know the way i scout or whatever the way jeff scouts and people sort of either using that using that as an educational tool or a club um as the case may be but yeah it was it was it was good yeah, and congratulations, Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, hey, Steelers, go ahead, leave an iTunes rating. Actually, all the AFC North, <laughs> go ahead and leave an iTunes rating Entire review. Goddamn division. Yes, Everybody because else. <laughs> it's, it was just too funny. But uh, guys, iTunes rating reviews take care of that. But it was just great to see that. I mean, so many people were just dropping the. Well, the Steelers must live to listen to Lockdown Browns. Oh, look, the Bengals are listening to Lockdown Browns. Oh, look, the Ravens are listening to Lockdown Browns. Um, John, look, call us. Give us a call, John. We'll give you our thoughts here. Um, you know, maybe we'll differ a little bit or whatever. But uh, <laughs> that was just fun. But uh, yes, guys, it is absolute. That it, that just makes the product feel that much more better. Obviously, the downloads and what everybody listened to the last couple of days. But just hearing some of these guys, and obviously you guys, whether it's Ireland, England, wherever, and wow, I know all one, and and there were some guys, and I got a couple of DMs where I look like the king of my friends right now, and I think this guy was in, 
I think he was in England or Ireland, I forget, but he was, he's like, I'm talking about all these guys, and everybody's looking at me like, well, how the hell do you know this stuff? And he's like, well, I listen to Locked on Browns. So, you know, hey, anybody, I I, I'm, I know there's a bunch of new listeners coming, so guys, appreciate it, come stay, uh, we'll always keep it fun, but we'll always give you a ton of knowledge as well. We'll get uh, in, obviously, the questions here, and there are a ton of them, obviously, guys. Um, one of them was, and this is the one I like, Pete, and this is the one that's tough for us to give an answer to because it's in regards to interviews but i mean i guess so a lot of the part of this would be you know opinionish how important is the interview process and obviously official visits and that stuff it's a tough one for us to give a true answer to but yeah guys i mean it's definitely important there's no doubt about it it's huge um and it's you know different teams are different in how big it is but look i mean they're it's it's a you know it's a job interview and there's you know fairly unfairly there's a an element of you know that human connection which makes you feel sort of better about it or not like if you you know you you're you're going to a job interview and your boss you know you you strike up a conversation that has absolutely nothing to do with the job but it gives you know it's sports or whatever or cars or whatever the hell it is that gives them a sense that you're, you know, just that little bump um, or just or the way you carry yourself is just something that they particularly like or whatever. Um, obviously, there's a there's a workout aspect in some respects. You know, if a guy has a particularly good workout for a team um, that, you know, that, that may change things for them one way or the other. Uh, and then the, there's the element of, look, you're, you're flying all over the country doing these things and, and maybe you have a a bad day with the team uh, for whatever reason and that changes how they look at you. It, it, you know, it's one of those things. You're always being evaluated. Um, you, never, you, you may not know what somebody picks up on, but certainly that comes up. I mean, it's, it's very difficult to ignore Alonzo Highsmith and Miami. Uh, you know, they've, they've got – They've drafted two guys and at least signed one, or, or, or at least bringing in one undrafted free agent from that school. Um, obviously, they took you know a player from Alabama with Freddie Kitchens there. Again, and with the co- but also now with your defensive line coach who just came from Alabama. Yeah, sure. That's another avenue. Um, that doesn't you know it, your, people are not robots in that respect, and in that respect, you can almost say that. Uh, and maybe the you know the people who don't have access to these prospects that don't get you know emotionally involved or whatever to the extent that you know you're rooting for a guy or whatever um, that maybe that part of it gives us an advantage that you know for the most part it's tape and numbers as opposed to you know he's a great guy or he's got a great story or whatever that maybe pull you in one direction or another so. It, it, it just depends on the team. Uh, some teams are able to be more robotic than others. And, and you know, for some teams, that that that, ish, that part of it is an advantage. You get guys that you really think fit um, the type of player you're looking for in terms of, you know, work ethic and, and character and those type of things. You know, if you're good at that stuff, it can provide an advantage. So big but difficult to sort of uh, – you know, put a number on. We'll see another part, defensive end. Jesus Christ. Well, we're going to get to that in a bit. So you take your breath. Um, but part of the interview process is there's so many avenues this can go. If the team really likes you, it's more of a 
coddling and a getting to know you. Or if you take a guy, let's say an example of Ja'Kai Polite, it, you get in there and it's, hey, what the hell have you been doing for the last two months? This is the biggest time of your life. This is the most important stretch of your life. You want to be a pro football player. And you know, how do you react to that? You know, Because you're going to get hammered on some questions. And you're going to get pushed to the full extent. Yeah, and there's gonna there's still the old hard asses that are trying to push you to the point where you break, which is disgusting because we're talking about 21, 22-year-old kids. Yes, they are smarter than 20 years ago at their age, but they also maybe are a little bit, they've been more protected. And it's... And I know this because my daughters are 12 and 11. My nephews are 22, 23, and 24. So I know this age group. Yes, they're smarter than their peers were, you know, than their parents were. But they've also been a little bit more protected, whereas 12 years old, what do you mean? You ain't got a job? You ain't got a paper route? So it's so much different in that respect. And some teams want to see a guy break, or there's some guys within a room that want to see a guy break. And it's just such a weird, weird process. And the other thing is, and like Pete mentioned with the guys flying across the country, you could do three of these in four to five days. And you could go from, you know, the you can go through the yin-yang experience where you're in one facility and they absolutely love you and, like, you know, they're almost, like, coaxing you like they want to take you and, like, oh, most of the players live about seven minutes from over here and here's a great spot for guys who may go day three like a guy like yourself. And then the next building they go into, it's, you know, well, we're not really thrilled with your film, and, you know, we wish you tested better at the Combine. And they're, like, wind and dine. It's such, like, a strange, it's like speed dating, for Christ's sakes. It's the weirdest process, and it's a lot to handle for kids at that age. And it is big, because if you're coming in for an official visit and an interview, that means, like, they're probably split. Half the room says, oh, I'd love that kid. The other half is like, nah, I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. So the problem is usually the guys you're going to have to deal with when you go in there is the guys who say they don't want you. So it's just it's just so, so difficult. And sadly, it is. It's pretty important because, you know, obviously, you know, a bunch of guys all test similar. But that at the end of the day, you know, there's going to be final straws, and sometimes those interviews are the final straws. Uh, David, David Whitman with a question here. What do you think Dorsey and crew were trying to accomplish with this draft? What was the plan, and how does this shape the team, big picture and long term? Well, clearly it was to improve their defense. Um, they took which the one thing, Pete. We did, the one thing we did get right on this is it was going to be heavy on defense. Right. They only took one uh, one offensive player, and they obviously took a specialist with the kicker, but everything else was defense. Um, again, I think it's more role players than it is trying to get studs. That doesn't mean that they're hoping they don't get studs. But, again, even when we sort of planned it out and we're like, well, you know, uh, Juan Thornhill and, and Justin Lane and those guys. You know, oh, we didn't, mention, we didn't mention Kansas City either. They're another one who listened to Locked On Browns. Congratulations, Juan Thornhill yeah. and Kalen uh, Saunders. So, <laughs> You know, those guys, even if they, you know, even though we loved them and thought, you know, they have long-term potential to be great, it was going to be role players initially and then, uh, you know, developing into starters. And maybe Greedy Williams can can take a starting job opposite Ward for the long term. But uh, everybody else is a role player that hopefully becomes more than that, uh, changing up the ways they can cover opponents. Um so yeah, there, there's 
that's been the main focus. Now, obviously, they got an offensive lineman that can, they can develop, and they got a kicker who has to be good right now, or everybody's going to be pissed. Uh, so, yeah, that was the way they looked at it. It's a big, um, you know, nod to sort of Steve Wilkes and whatever he wants to do on defense. Uh, I think the other takeaway is that they're going to be playing with no less than five DBs as often as humanly possible. Um, this is going to be a base nickel team um, unless they have to bring in three linebackers. They do not have very many on the team, less that are viable, but they have a thousand corners and a lot of safety. Well, some safeties. Okay. Uh, Patrick uh, Moulin, um, obviously a lot of player on Pete's board and obviously Jeff's board. Went to others in the AFC North. Who is the one player on every other team that Browns fans should be most worried about? I guess we'll just keep this in the AFC North, I guess. Uh, you know my Pittsburgh three. Devin Bush is going to be a difference maker for Pittsburgh. He, he, he's he's just that good of a player. Uh, he Just great. And his short area quickness and explosion and you know him and Nick Chubb, it's going to be a nice battle, Pete, for, you know, probably good part of what three four five years uh and we go to cincinnati you know cincinnati took my guy renel wren pete's not a fan i am i i think you're getting a nice player that's going to fit in there uh baltimore i i if baltimore and this is the biggest if are you going to let lamar jackson be a quarterback if you are hollywood browns is a nice piece Miles Boykin, Pete, and I know this is probably your guy. Miles Boykin is a nice piece there. It is not. Uh, I like Miles Boykin. I think he could be a really good player. The guy that the Ravens took that terrifies me is Dalen Mack. He is a stud nose tackle prospect, and it's very typical. The Ravens get another freaking three hundred and something pound guy that can affect the line of scrimmage. He doesn't have to come in and start, but he's ultimately going to probably enable them to let a guy go next year and step in and be a great player. Like they have, they always have these guys that just own the line of scrimmage. And Dalen Mack is going to do that. I think he can help them right now. Whereas Miles Boykin is more of a developmental guy, and and Marquise Brown could be a few monster plays. Uh, this year, but ultimately it's going to be more dependent not only on him, but it's a question of what are they what are they going to get out of the quarterback position? Whereas Dalen Mack is going to be a good player who comes in right now and is good. That's 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 the guy who scares me. Um, that, yeah, he's the big. I think he's the biggest one in the entire division, really. Okay, and look, you know Justin Lane, you know God bless him in Pittsburgh. Look, you know, obviously we hope he tears it up. Um, you know. I'm not sure whether or not he's going to be able to contend with Odell Beckham. Um, could get some rookie baptisms. Uh, you know, would you rather have him out there than maybe uh, Mr. Hayden? Perhaps? I'm not ruling out the possibility he's their best corner right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And to see him go in the 80s where me and Pete pretty much had him valued as their top cornerback. You know, look, just go ball out, young man. Just, It's fine. Uh, there were rumors you were going to stay in Michigan and go to Detroit. Let's go to Pittsburgh. Do with that. Um... Why didn't the Browns draft a defensive lineman? And this is from Adam Stillwald. I I don't know. I mean, unless John, if part of John is feeding smoke, that's fine. That's fine. But it just seems so weird when this was such a great interior defensive line class. Normally, when a draft is stocked at a position, 
even if you're okay at the position, you go get one. Why? There's nothing wrong with depth. And you can't tell me, besides these two guys who are going to start for you, that any one of those guys really isn't replaceable, Pete. Um, so, first and foremost, uh, they fucked up. Uh, no <laughs> other way to put it than that. They they do not have enough a defensive tackle. Having said that, I mean, you know, I mean what Miles Garrett maybe be doing G- this year. Maybe Gerald McCoy is a June first guy. Maybe they know something we don't. But it just seems really, really weird where something was a strength and you could have used more that you completely. Well, I, I, yeah, you ignored it. Yeah, that's – look, you have a lot of defensive ends. Uh, you have some really nice depth in terms of a rotation there. You don't. You can't say the same thing. So, again, maybe this speaks to what Miles Garrett is likely – you know, that he's going to be spending a lot more time in the three than maybe we anticipated. But, no, that's something they have to continue to address. And – you know, look, my fear is immediately Sheldon Richardson and Larry Ogunjobi are going to get worn to nubs and they're, you know, one of them gets injured or is just they're just not able to be effective because you don't have enough rotation. Maybe Carl Davis is going to step up and be functional, but tr- whether it's Trevon Coley or Daniel Equale or Brian Price, I, I, you know. Devereux Lawrence. Yeah, who played – had two tackle like two tackles last year or whatever two snaps two snaps no no no, two snaps (laughs) yeah he played two he played two snaps after they traded seventh round pick maybe he'll be better uh but i you know i just don't think you can sit there and say you have enough and and you know certainly they have time they could you know go get more uh there you know but i i think this is the big glaring issue if you're trying to talk about where the browns are going this year here in terms of you know how far this team can go i think that's really the linchpin so you know assuming no major injuries but i think that's the real weakness on this football team uh, well and the thing is you know i remember we did this and this we're going back a year ago pete and you know we talked about we're like all right pete what was missed and you defensive tackle it's barren and we talked about jonathan Hankett. look are they in a better position one calendar year later obviously Sheldon Richardson does that, of course. But still, there's not much depth. Um, Maybe they don't view the Jacksonville plan and what some of these other teams are doing, but I I think it's going to turn out this way. I mean, you know, are you hoping you have the ball 40 minutes, week in, week out? I mean, is that your MO? But I I don't know. It's just... It's a head score. Got to score, because you you don't want to get into a... A knockout, dragout fight um, because you're not really prepared for it. If you're going to be ahead uh, and you're in a situation where you could put Miles Garrett and and Chris Smith and those guys on the inside, great. Um, but if you're looking at this and going, you know, like the Ravens, um, and they can keep it a low scoring affair or close where they can run the ball and force you to have to defend it, you're going to be. I think you're going to be in some trouble. You're in a t- you're in a tough spot. Exactly. I mean, teams who were playing, you know. Obviously, everybody's playing more of a toss and roll over the park. But, but look, you know, Patriots are a team you want to catapult. The Patriots can just, I mean, say we're going to run the ball. And we're going to run the ball a ton and hopefully wear out your defensive 
depth as Pete starts to bring up the UDFAs that we know of here now. Just once again, want to thank ZipRecruiter here for the sponsorship over the last two days, uh, you know, uh, of the draft shows. It's it, it's been a pleasure to cover it. It's been a bit of pleasure reporting to you guys. You know, like you know, you know, Pete and I look until we get to talk about Super Bowls. This is kind of our Super Bowl. We love the draft process, everything about it starting you know from the senior bowl but even still we give you our tidbits early on and just as it went on the combine and everything that goes along with it it's it's just a fun event and to see where these kids go and you know i'm not going to ask pete for his you know top 10 on the 2020 big board yet maybe we'll get to that the next couple of days but obviously we'll get you some more stuff here you know breaking down divisions you know nfc breaking down the opponents for 2019 and who, who did what uh, Pete, what do we got UDFA-wise? Well, first, if you ask me about uh, 2020 prospects, you're going to be very disappointed. I don't do shit looking ahead. Um, so, let's see. Uh, Seems like wide receivers are good, but we'll, yeah, whatever. Gary Moore from Minnesota, the defensive tackle, his production sucks as far as I can tell. I don't know about him athletically. Defensive tackle from Minnesota, uh, he will be in here. The one that's weird is Arizona State defensive lineman Doug Subtle or Subtill. Um, as far as I could tell, he played 13 games at Arizona State as a defensive lineman. I think he's an end and had five solo tackles. Um, Killing it. They brought Princeton tight end Steve Carlson. I don't know about it athletically. Oh, no, watch out. watch out, set the valve. <laughs> yeah, another Ivy League tight end from the – same school um production wise in terms of market share he crushed it um Diedrich Young from Nebraska production isn't great I don't know about athletic traits um Wyatt Ray that's a reasonably good signing uh from Boston College uh Jarrell Owens from Oklahoma State another defensive end like immediate reaction to this is Chad Thomas better be ready because a lot of the, they have a lot of defensive ends <laughs> and um, they brought in another kicker uh, for a tryout. Jermaine Ponder is a defensive back from, uh, he's a corner Saint from St. Francis. Francis. Played uh, against them back in the day. I played against them. He uh, had a lot of on ball production, but not, not, not great in terms of tackles. Uh, they brought, they signed, or are they having it for a tryout? Miami's fullback, uh, Treyon, whatever. Uh, he is the 240-pound dude who tested like a 4-4 or 4-3 speed at the pro day. Um, but for whatever reason, he didn't get the ball very much. Uh, let's see who else we got here. They brought in the punter, the the Scottish hammer from... <laughs> His name's Jamie Gillen from Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh, David, I don't know if it's Blau or Bluff, but he played at uh, Purdue, obviously, yes. famously beat the hell out of Ohio State. Um, that's going to be, you know, their camp arm to compete with uh, uh, the kid from uh, Gary Gilbert. Oh, by the way, though, UDFA-wise, Pete, uh, Tyree Jackson, and it's a crime he did not get drafted, Buffalo. Would you have that? Two months ago? Two months ago? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, look. I was always a fit that I thought made a lot of sense. Um, you, you just get him to back up the guy he's eerily similar to. I don't know why he wasn't drafted. I don't know why Josh Allen was drafted seventh, but 
yeah, that's that's weird. And it's and if, it's weird in the fact that if Josh Allen even has a freaking hiccup, that fan boy, that fan base has got their their homeboy, their local boy. That could get interesting. So the kicker they're bringing in for a tryout is Spencer Thompson Myers. He played at D three St Norbert. I don't know where that is. Or I was about to say, is that Ohio? Because you would know better than me. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, let's see. Is that? Wait a minute. Oh, that one's interesting. That's a guy I like. Uh, the Browns are allegedly signing a free agent contract with Brian Finian Ganafo. How you're going to fit out that on a a, a a jersey? I do not know. He's a big athletic boy. He's on my target board. Offensive tackle, um, so I'm actually really happy about that one. And the other guy that I from really like, Idaho State. Of course, Idaho State. You know, everybody watches Idaho State. What's weird is that both guys that were at one point, high, both small school offensive linemen that were both highlighted in specific tweets by Gil Brandt are on the Browns. Uh, Drew Forbes at one point, and now Brian Guinea, uh, Finian Ganafo. Uh, from Idaho State. But the other guy I think that's a really good signing for them, uh, I think could be a guy who sticks, theoretically, and it, it may may be a watch out to see what happens with Duke Johnson type situations. Darren Hall from yep. Pittsburgh. An Ohio um, kid, right? Yes. Uh, he really productive, really, I mean, not, not as productive as some of the other tailbacks, but he's an athletic guy, reasonable production. But yeah, he's a a guy that could theoretically be in that Duke Johnson role. He does have his share uh, of receptions and, and the like from that standpoint. Uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. What, running back in general was really fascinating because uh, Divine Ozigbo did not get drafted. Alex Barnes from did not get drafted. Those were like two of the biggest uh, analytical darlings. Uh, the Saints immediately scooped up. Uh, Ozigbo, which who's gonna go? Most likely, he'll just go. Do, he'll be Mark Ingram. Yeah, and, and Travis Homer went super late in the draft, so uh, you know analytics. to Seattle to Seattle because you can't have, never have enough running backs <laughs> in Seattle. So Darren Hall had just 15 receptions, but uh, you know 153 carries for 1,144 yards. It's like eight yards a carry or something like that. Hmm, uh, there's something that may fill the Kareem Hunt out for the first eight we first eight games of the season. Right, that's that's a possibility. Uh, so they 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 have gotten some guys that I'm interested in. There are some guys that I really don't understand uh, what's happening with them. Brian Finian Ganafo from Idaho State, six six three zero four, uh, ran a five zero eight forty. Hey now, one hundred fifteen inch broad jump, thirty three inch vert. Three seven seven one three cone, which is okay. Four five eight shuttle, which is okay, and twenty nine reps on the bench. Uh, but that is another guy, you know, that fits the type of guy you want in terms of athleticism. And again, about three hundred pounds. Uh, that is, uh, you know, that seems to be the uh, about where he wants him to be, and not no heavier. Um, Go to work, Hitman. Yeah, so he's got a couple of really nice projects to work with, uh, you know, right up his alley. You don't spoil him with high-end draft picks. You let him go do the work uh, with these these low-end guys, and it really does allow you to have a big advantage uh, if, if he can make these guys pan out. Um, 
the you know the, again defensive tackle is going to be the fascinating one because right now as far as i can tell um uh, the more kid from minnesota is it and i don't think he did anything particularly impressive the other guy who's not been reported yet but we've got it on pretty good authority that he's going to end up being on the browns unless something changes is jt hassel the safety from florida tech um, obviously the Browns had him in for a visit. They had an interest. Uh, but as, as far as I know, that's, that's, that's a move they plan on making. Um, so we shall see if, if, and when that becomes official, but that's one more. And another guy, I, you know, I, I really athletic seems to be a really good kid. I did confirm that it was, he did transfer from South Dakota state to go to Florida tech because he, uh, uh, went home to take, you know, to be a father. Uh, so, that's sort of why I ended. It wasn't like it was some bad situation or anything like that. Well, let's be honest. I mean, you know, South Dakota State, the Florida Tech, that's not much of a um, – but, you know, obviously everything Pete's telling you there, look, uh, the agent for J.T. Harrell, he's a huge friend of the draft community and just a really, really good dude and doesn't lie. So I'm assuming that's just, you know, just waiting to confirm because, uh, you know – you know, so you know J.T. Harrell, and that's an interesting guy. And look, as we said before, Florida Tech with a football program, no idea, did not know of it. But <laughs> uh, Pete, before we put a bow on it, um, they also signed some dude from freaking here we go. Queens, uh, some CFL guy. I knew nothing about Chris Osekuse or Kusi. Uh, I, I'm not going to pretend to do, but that's that's one other guy that's been mentioned. Come on, Pete, get off your ass. Let's know a little more Canadian football. I mean, Canadian college football, I guess. I I, I don't even. What does he play? He's a wide receiver. Um, oh, sure. So that that shouldn't be a difficult one to find info on. Of course, you know, the, the, occasionally you get uh, like uh, the auto translate from French, um, which is always fun. <laughs> Um, so, look, uh, you know, guys, look, obviously there should be some players here. There should be some contributors here, obviously with greedy, obviously with, ta- you know, Taki Taki, yeah, obviously players were, you know, left on the board that, you know, me and Pete valued a ton, ton higher, but look, the bottom line of it all is, you know, the, the 2019 NFL draft is now done and in the books and it is all signs ahead to what should be the most promising season since the return of the Cleveland Browns. Um, again, you know, Pete and I, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Pete's going to soon, Pete, we're going to kick off this new venture. Uh, yeah, I don't, you know, I'll, when it's a, all up and running, uh, I'm like, the deal is done. It's just a question of when it's going to be launched. You know, when launched. I, yeah. When I can actually, you know, do stuff with it. Uh, also all that stuff. So we'll see. Yeah. So obviously, you know, Pete's headed to a new, you know, written foreign venue, uh, the show is going to go on. Obviously, you know, Pete should have the availability for whenever we need him. Um, but we just—I I decided. And look, we did it last year. We did the draft process together, and it, it, I wanted it to be a uniform voice. And you know, and and I'll be honest, guys. You know, we had some of these bigger names on, and 
going back and you know when you run through the numbers, you guys enjoyed the fact that the draft was being talked about by me and Pete together. And the, and it showed this year. And it's, you know, look, I mean, there's plenty of guys in the Browns community that I love, and like, like Jeff Risden. But, you know, Jeff is as crazy busy as I am, obviously, with two kids. So schedules didn't always mix. And there's guys we do truly appreciate it. We, we, we do more with. But it's just of, you know, about what works for everybody involved. And the other thing is we all have, you know, our daily lives and, you know, our personal lives. And along with mixing in with this. But, you know, for Pete and I, you know, the relationship has grown pretty good. And obviously the on-air relationship has grown really good. And we both, I think we both appreciate that there are, there is more than one way to skin the cat, so to speak, when you're doing this. And you take the combination and you take the analytic data and you take the, well, the tape looks good. Does the statistical, you know, production, which is market share, back it up? Does the athletic testing back it up? And there's just, you know, and we appreciate all those avenues. And that's where some, you know, you know, some people may watch one Alabama game on a Saturday night and say, "Oh, what are you kidding me? Mac Wilson to steal." And then, but you go through it, and there's there's some holes and some warts. And look, I want Mac Wilson to come in here and be an absolute beast. And apparently today he got drafted. It was his brother's birthday. Uh, who is you know no longer with us and and stuff like that gets to me like I will always feel for that stuff so Ed, but look I want this guy to come in here and be an absolute star and even Stephen Thomas you know he mentioned he wasn't a big fan of the pick and this is Steve who's one of the nicest guys in this community and he sent me messages like I think I lost between thirty and fifty followers on Twitter because he didn't agree with the pick look guys but it, it's okay to have your own opinion I understand a lot of you who listen you know don't and just see the way it comes and then the highlight reels get you excited that's fine but some of us go really in depth and and don't give it you know make us feel bad for that we put this much into it because we truly love this time of year and it is a fun fun process especially when you find a way to say look the winner sucks we're going to be inside anyway we're going to watch film we're going to talk about it all that great stuff but it has been in a it's been a fun draft cycle every no draft cycle is the same same goes with this one. You know, obviously Arizona right at the top with you know moving on from the quarterback you just drafted tenth last year because you took one one and Kyler Murray will see you and Josh Rosen will see you and we'll see Josh Allen and we'll see Lamar Jackson twice and we'll see Sam Darnold again. Which is just fun the way the storylines will go together, which should make for a magical twenty nineteen season. Pete's work over at NFL Spin Zone, guys. Keep reading it there for now. Uh, make sure you're following them at underscore Pete Smith underscore the Locked On Browns Twitter account. Guys, I cannot be more thankful for the growth. I mean, we are closing in closer to 5,200 followers. About this time a year ago, maybe we were at like 1,300, whatever. It's it's just been an amazing ride. I appreciate that you guys appreciate us. So, I, you know, obviously, again, thank you for that. A tremendous amount of thanks for that. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, iTunes rating reviews. Keep helping us pump up and grow this show and get out to new listeners. And uh, all the European listeners, I, it, it's amazing. And this is why, and I remember, Pete I, Pete, I remember mentioning this about a year ago. You're like, well, he's like, everybody else seems to dump these shows out like 6, 7 a.m. in the morning. I was starting to dump these shows out at, you know, eight, you know whatever we were done with them, 8, 9 o'clock. And I was waking up to so many downloads already because I was realizing the amount of people that were, you know, across the pond, you know, on your, in Europe or whatever. And and you guys have embraced us, and I appreciate it. it, it it's it, it's amazing. And 
again, couldn't be more thankful. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Uh, so the here we, the this is it. It's in the books. The 2019 NFL Draft has come and gone. So with that, guys, uh, it, we are now into you know getting to rookie mini camps and and now the weather's warmer. Obviously, it's going to be a little crappy in Ohio this week. The weather here in Jersey ain't going to be much better, which is weird because it's going to be May 1st on Wednesday. Some patience, guys. Let's get warm. Everybody enjoy the summer. We got football coming sooner than you think because the summer goes by faster than anything. This has been. Like I said, you deliver all things to all pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.